Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. All righty, I want to welcome everybody at our 288 campus, Friendswood campus, Webster campus, Alvin campus, Pearland campus, online campus, and uh, wherever that is, and uh, I was just on it just a moment ago, lots of people on there, but, uh, and uh, welcome to everybody at the Weibo Bible Church in uh, Weibo, Montana. It's a great day to be in church, isn't it? I know it's summertime, but it is, uh, it's good to be in church anyway, and I'm glad that you're here. We're, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today if you want to join me there in your Bible or on your device, Luke chapter 8. Uh, also, at the end of the sermon today, we're going to be taking communion together. I always tell you guys this at least once a month now. This is something that's available to you every single week, every single campus, every single service at our church you usually find them uh, near the doors of the auditorium. You're more than welcome to pick up one each week and take it sometime during the worship time. Uh, but once a month, we take the time so that we can all get on the same page, so that we can realize exactly what it's all about. And that takes place today at the end of the service. Excited about that today. So we're calling the series that we're an outlier, an outlier is someone that we've described as being on the edge of everything, the edge of society, someone that... Uh, Maybe no one else wants to be around or engage, except for Jesus, of course, which is the absolute best news, because once upon a time, we were the outlier. Uh, week one, we talked about the dead. That was our outlier. Uh, week two, we talked about the sinner. Today, we're going to talk about the possessed. By possessed, I, I mean demon-possessed. And if you uh, know the Bible a little bit, then you know that uh, in this world we face three sources of temptation and three sources of evil. Uh, one would be us. It would be our bent that we have, our fallen nature that leads us towards sin. That's what the book of James says. We're tempted and enticed when we're dragged away by our own evil desire. So that we have that going against us. We also have the world that we live in us, which is arcing toward destruction and, and sin. Can you feel that in the world today? We also have Satan and his crew who uh, work full time to mess up people's lives and keep them away from Jesus. And we're in a constant battle with these three things every single day. Obviously, we cannot get away from ourselves. We got to live with ourselves while we're here on this earth. Uh, so that's a battle. We're in the world. Uh, and Jesus said, please, Father, don't take them out of the world, but protect them while they're in the world. So we're still here in the world. One of these that should very much be avoided, all three should be avoided, it, it, you know, as much as you can, but uh, is Satan. You don't give Satan an inch. You don't open the door to him and, and to what he wants to do in your life. Because when a person does that, he fast tracks their destruction. Um, so since we're talking about this subject right here, the possessed, a question that pops into my mind, I don't know, maybe yours as well, is can a Christian be demon-possessed? Can a Christian be demon-possessed? I'm going to give you uh, the short answer first. The short answer is no, no, which is why I spend zero minutes per year worrying about being possessed by a demon. I'm not exaggerating. Zero minutes per year. Hasn't kept me up one minute of any night. 
uh, ever since uh, I figured this out. Now, how do I know that Christians can't be demon-possessed? Well, <clears throat> there's a lot of scripture in the Bible uh, that points that direction. Uh, let me give you just a few here to help you today if this is something that has also crossed your mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, goes on to say, you've been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Now, <clears throat> when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, comes and takes up residence in our bodies. Wow, wow. My body, your body, if you're a follower of Christ, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Is that not amazing? That God's Spirit resides in us. Um, uh, listen to me now. The Holy Spirit who resides in us does not tolerate demon roommates. Right? So it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Here's another verse. First John chapter 4, verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Talking about the Holy Spirit here once again. Being greater, the person that's in us, uh, the, the Holy Spirit of God, greater, stronger than anyone else, stronger than any demon. So we are safe with God's spirit in us. Once upon a time, Jesus was having a conversation with some religious leaders. They're actually the scribes. <clears throat> and he had just cast a demon out of someone. And they said, they said, you're demon possessed to Jesus. They said, it's, it's by the power of demons that you cast out demons. And Jesus said, that makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, why would a demon cast a demon out of a, another person? That would be a house divided against itself. And you think about it, every Christian has the strong man, uh, the strong man of, of his Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit within us, living in our bodies. And so in the same conversation with the scribes, Jesus uses this metaphor. He says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. And for us, again, the strong man in the house is the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and there are zero demons, zero devils, zero rulers, zero authorities, zero cosmic powers in this present darkness, zero spiritual, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, zero, 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 strong enough to push out God's Holy Spirit and take his place in us. And with that fact, you can go to bed at night and sleep soundly. And that's why I can tell you two different things that seem to be contradictory. I can tell you that, yes, there are demons, and I don't worry about them. But it's bo both of these things are true. And if you're a Christ follower, you can spend zero minutes worried about being possessed by a demon because you have God's Holy Spirit in the house. Boom. Okay, there's the answer to that question. However, did you know however was coming? However, the devil is still alive, and he and his crew still try to get people off course. And there are varying degrees to which he's able to do so in, in people's lives, and I think we see some of that in the text today, in our story. Are you ready to get to the text for today? Luke chapter 8. 
I'm going to begin at verse 26. It says, then they, talking about Jesus and the disciples, sailed to the country of Gerizines, which is opposite of Galilee. Now, the way that this is translated in the English Standard Version makes this sound like a long, long voyage on a ship to a faraway country. Doesn't it sound like that? They sailed to the country of Gerizines, which is opposite Galilee. Uh, here's what happened. They, they got into a fishing boat and went across the lake. Here, <laughs> I'm not talking bad about the Bible. I'm just saying I want you to understand this. Here's the trip. Okay, this is from one side of the lake to the other side. And I always tell you guys, it looks kind of like Canyon Lake. But uh, over there is, uh, I took this picture the other day, by the way. Over there is Galilee. This side that we're on right now would be near the country of Gerizines. Now, when it says that, the country of the Gerizines, it does, it's not a nation. It's talking about out of town in the country. That's what it's talking about here. So I just want you to see this when I'm reading the Bible and telling you things. I, I really want you to be able to, to, to see what the Bible's actually saying here. So you with me now? They cross the lake and they're out in the country, all right, of the Gerizines. Verse 27, when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons for a long time. He had worn no clothes and had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So immediately when Jesus takes one step out of the boat, he's met there by a naked man. It's almost like he got off the boat in Austin, Texas. And <clears throat> if you know, you know, and if you, and if you know, I'm a little worried about you, but, uh, but just so you know, naked is not normal. Naked is not normal, has not been normal since, uh, since chapter two of Genesis. Chapter two of Genesis, by the way, at the very end of the chapter, very last verse says, the man and woman were both naked and were not ashamed. Chapter three, everything changed. Chapter three, they sinned. That was the fall of mankind. Sin entered the world. Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, were uh, felt ashamed. <clears throat> and so they hid themselves from God. They took leaves and joined those leaves together to try to cover themselves. Verse 21, God shows up sees them and, and does this. He kills an animal and from the skin of that animal, he fashions clothes for Adam and Eve. That was the very first uh, outfit that they wore other than the, the leaves, which wasn't gonna last, weren't gonna last. Um, God made them leather clothes right there for very first outfit, leather clothes, and, and uh, which, by the way, uh, chapter three of Genesis, two people on the earth, and God gives us a beautiful picture of what Jesus would do for you and me. His, he, he died and he covered over our sin and shame with himself. Okay, and we'll talk more about that during communion today. But ever since Genesis chapter three, mankind has worn some sort of clothing, but not this guy, which is an immediate indicator that something's wrong. Okay, like if you were at the grocery store and you had your cart by your vehicle and you're loading in into the trunk and you're about done and somebody says to you, hey, are you done with this cart? And you turn around, yes, and, and they're naked, okay. Um, <laughs> would you know something's wrong? Yeah, you would know something's wrong. Something's wrong up here, correct? 
or, or something is in their body, some substance, some chemical that has kind of taken over and they don't have any sense at that moment, or something evil is in control. Now, notice it also says, he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So he's got no home. Hard to keep a job when you're naked all the time, but he's, he's, got, no, he's got no home. Instead, he lives among the tombs. And I'm just going to cut to the chase today. Uh, why was he living among the, the tombs? Because when you're obsessed with Satan, you get too comfortable with death. You'd rather be around death than around people. And that's where this guy was. In fact, cutting to the chase again, Satan wants everybody dead. If you're a believer, he wants you dead so you can't shine the light of Jesus to anybody else. If you're an unbeliever, he wants you dead so that your, your destiny will be sealed in death and you'll die in your sins and you'll spend forever in hell. Satan, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, Satan wants you dead. So if Satan takes over someone, there's this obsession with death. And for this guy, so much so that he felt more at home among dead people than he did among the living. Now, Mark in his gospel also tells this same story, but he adds some more details to the story here. This is Mark chapter five, verse five. It says, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, this guy was always crying out. Imagine hearing that in the middle of the night. This guy crying out and cutting himself with stones. So again, this guy's got an obsession with death. He's crying out at all times of day. He's cutting himself. He's harming himself. He is in torment. And you know what? I think, and see if you're with me on this. When I look at today's culture, I'm seeing some things now. I'm seeing like a more and more an obsession with death. I'm seeing an obsession uh, with Satan. You see Satan showing up more and more places nowadays? I mean like blatantly showing up. Uh, if you watch the Grammys, which, okay, I'm not gonna get on your, if you watch the Grammys, but I'm just saying, wow, okay. I didn't watch it, but I saw some of the playback and Satan was there, how about that? Satan was there, which I guess is not uncommon for music videos, for Satan to show up in the music videos. And there are several artists I could name right now. Um, or, or for the artist to be in the middle of a pentagram with uh, uh, candles around it, like some sort of satanic ritual. I've read recently of stars drinking each other's blood and, you know, Hollywood stars and uh, satanic ritual. I've, if you don't believe me on any of this, Google, Google. This morning... This morning, I read an article about a show that's going to be on Disney Plus about a teenage girl who fell in love, had sex with Satan, and is now carrying his child, and they call it a beautiful coming-of-age story, Disney Plus. You watch protests nowadays for abortion rights or for LGBT causes, and you'll see things you don't want to see. You'll see... Nudity, you'll see people screaming at the top of their lungs, people I think with obvious issues going on somewhere uh, in their lives. And you say, are those people demon possessed? I don't, I don't know, and it's not for me to try to figure that out. That's God, God knows for sure. But I do know there are a lot of tormented people nowadays. Lots of tormented people. 
This past week, I read that in 2022, stats aren't out for 2023 yet, obviously. In 2022, 11.4 million people in the United States reported having suicidal thoughts. 11.4 million. That's arcing up. The year before, it was 664,000 less than that. So an increase of 664,000 in one year. I'm just saying, people are tormented nowadays. But I'm so glad I get to stand on the stage at church and say this, there's hope. There's hope and his name is, do you know? You know, his, his name is what? Jesus, there's hope in Jesus, amen? Back to the text here, Luke chapter eight, verse 28. When this guy saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him and he said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Now, Jesus wasn't there to torment him, but maybe that's what the demons in him were telling him to try to get him to resist whatever Jesus was going to do. And I say that because the next verse, which is verse 29, tells us what happened before this verse. Verse 29, for Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. So the demon or demons, as we're about to see, had had control over this guy. They told him where to go, what to do. And even though other people maybe tried to help him, tried to subdue him for sure, Obviously, the demons didn't want Jesus to interfere with this outlier, but here comes Jesus. And I know for a fact that Jesus parked the boat where he parked the boat. He had the winds blow the perfect direction so that he would end up right where this guy was. Because that's Jesus. That's what Jesus does. He came to save the outlier that everyone else had given up on. Verse 30. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. Now again, Mark gives this same story. In Mark's retelling of the story, he says that the guy replied, the guy, actually the demons in the guy replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. We are many. So Jesus asked the guy his name. The many demons in this man answered Jesus and gave him a plural name and plural pronouns, which reminds me of what we see going on in our world right now. By the way, maybe you've seen this recently. It's a t-shirt that says, uh, Satan respects pronouns. Satan respects pronouns. Now, if you haven't been paying attention to the news, maybe you haven't seen this, but the shirt is from the UK designer uh, collection, Abprelin. This designer from the UK had a couple of items in the pride section of Target stores here in the United States. So Target not only has a pride section, which does include kids' clothing in their pride section, but they also partnered with someone who made a Satan shirt and Target somehow thought that was a good idea. They have 
Bud lighted themselves. Or would that be Bud lit? They Bud lit themselves. In fact, uh, if you don't know, Bud Light's parent company is down, this is earlier this past week, $19 billion in value. $19 billion. And as of, as of Wednesday, as of Wednesday, Target was down $12.4 billion in value. Now, they have removed some of their items and pushed the fried sections back in the store, at least in the southern states. But, uh, but uh, we can only hope that other companies, corporations are getting the message. You cannot force this stuff down people's throats. You can't do it. But I want you to notice something about this whole encounter here. Uh, and this is true in all three gospels that record this. Jesus asked this guy his name, the demons gave the plural answer, and then Jesus proceeded not to use it. Not even one time. Now, the demons knew exactly who Jesus was. They'd already called him out, Jesus Christ, you know, the son of God. Um, they knew who he was, and they knew that in this situation, he had the power, and they knew and they knew what their fate is going to be at the end of time. Look at verse 31. And they begged Jesus not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20 that at the end of time, the devil and his crew are going to be thrown into the lake of fire or into the abyss. And here they are begging not to go. Think about that. It's so bad that even demons don't want to go there. I, uh, I had a, a friend, uh, wasn't a close, close friend. We played ball together, but um, we were sitting in study hall my senior year of high school, and he was across from me, and we were talking about spiritual things, and he was not a believer, not even close. In fact, uh, uh, they, they reworded the song Running With The Devil by Van Halen to include this guy's name at my school. Okay, that's, that's him. So we're sitting there talking about, talking about heaven and hell and all that, and he finally just said, Tim, I'm going to hell. I know I'm going to hell, but that's okay. All of my friends are going to be there. <laughs> like it was going to be a big party or something. And uh, just so you know, he has since become a Christ follower and is on fire for Jesus. I would like to say it was my conversation that did that, but it was not, okay? But uh, for the record, it's not going to be a party in the abyss at the end of time in the lake of fire. It's not going to be a party. In fact, I think 2 Thessalonians has the best description of what it's going to be like. Those who go there will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Another translation says, banished from the presence of the Lord. Another one says, banned from the presence of the Lord. Another one says, separated from the presence of the Lord. Another one says, shut out from the presence of the Lord. Did you know that every good thing and every blessing in your life comes from the presence of Almighty God? Did you know that? That's where his blessings come from. He pours out his blessings. Even the fact that we get to live on an earth that is hospitable to our existence, oxygen, sunlight, a force field of an atmosphere that 
restricts most meteorites from entering our area and demolishing the earth. We've got it so good. Uh, uh, family, um, the comfort of your favorite chair, every, we could go on and on forever. Every single blessing has come from the presence of God into our lives. But now imagine being shut out from God's presence. You'd have to subtract every single blessing that there is. And that, my friends, is hell. And demons don't even want to go there. Verse 32. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, begged Jesus to let them enter these pigs, so he gave them permission. So this is how you can tell we're on the Gentile side of the lake here. There's a large herd of pigs. The pigs would not be on the Jewish side of the lake. And just a pro tip here, if you're ever in Jerusalem traveling, don't do what my wife did. She, we were at breakfast, and she asked one of the waiters for bacon. And uh, <laughs> don't be her. Uh, verse 33. And I just picked up my plate and went to the next table. And, no, I didn't do that. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down this the steep bank into the lake and drowned. That's because the devil, everything that he wants to do with everyone that he's around, he wants to take them to destruction. When the herdsmen saw that what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were, now if you're not looking at your Bible, let me give you some possible fill in the blanks here. They were happy. They were relieved. They were grateful. All those answers kind of make sense, don't they? But watch this. They were afraid. They were afraid. The demon-possessed man now is in his right mind, but the people are afraid. Why are they afraid? Because they realize that Jesus has more power in his little finger than all these demons had who were tormenting this guy. This guy that they could not control, that would break out of chains, this guy that was terrorizing the countryside, this guy that was screaming all night long that they could not subdue, they could not change, but thank you, Lord, Jesus could with a word, with a touch, with a moment. And what that meant was Jesus had more power than many demons, and that fact scared them. Now more people are about to show up Verse 36, and those who had seen it told them about the demon-possessed man, how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to get out of town, get out of here, for they were seized with great fear. So he got in the boat and went back to the other side of the lake, which is where Capernaum is, his home base of ministry. And right here is something I hope never, ever, ever, ever happens to our church. Hope it never happens. You think about this, these folks got to see a life change. They got to see a guy saved from the edge of destruction. But what they really wanted was for things to go back to normal. Someone got saved, but they were more upset about losing a herd of pigs than they were happy for this guy. They wanted their pigs and problems back rather than to see somebody get saved. 
I'm just going to tell you right now in church, I want to see people get saved. I want to see people get saved. I, I want Jesus to use our church to reach the outlier, the person that no one thought could change. I want it to, it's been happening. I want it to continue to happen. And, uh, and, and I want us to be happy about it when it does happen. Instead of, because I'm going to tell you what may happen. There may be a time when you come to church and, and you're a little bit upset. You're like, man, I went to church today and there were some new people sitting in my seat. And I mean, that's not right. That's where I sit. I had to sit somewhere else. Or man, I had to park a little further from the building today. I'm not used to that. I don't know if I like that or not. Or I went to the cafe and they were out of whatever it was that you wanted. They were out and they told me they didn't have any more. And I just said, that's a, that's a crime. <laughs> How about instead of that, we be grateful that Jesus is in the house and lives are being changed. <laughs> Verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might go with him. So here he is, he wants to go with Jesus now. In one encounter, he went from living his life in solitary places among the tombs, away from people, tormented, angry, and possessed. And now he wants to follow Jesus wherever he goes. Lord, do it again. A million times over across our country and around our world, do it again and again and again. He wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said, you stay here. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And that's exactly what he did. He went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. The end of the story, now let's make some application. First thing I want to say is this, it's important to put your faith in Jesus. It's important. I cannot describe to you with words, I would fall very short, to try to help you understand how important it is for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And before you check out on me mentally, said, okay, I've done that. <laughs> I've already done that. I want you to listen to me. I'm not saying, did you pray a prayer when you were seven? Or did you hold your hand up in a service a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? Or did you get baptized as an infant or, or baptized as a teenager because everybody else was doing it? The question that I guess I'm asking right now is, are you 100% on team Jesus? 100%. If you're not sure, or if you have not done this, then during our communion time in a few minutes, during that, uh, those moments that we take to get our hearts right, I want you to give God everything. Give him the good, the bad, the ugly, the hurts, the hangups, the habits, everything that you got going on. Give it to him. Even if you've been a Christian for 50 years, give him every area of your life and don't give the devil an inch. Don't give him an inch. Now, for those of you who've not taken that step, um, I'm going to encourage you to start that journey today. Start that journey today by coming to Jesus, repenting of your sins, putting your faith in him. And maybe you think, well, give me one good reason to do that. Here's a good reason. The Bible tells us salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Put your faith in him. Secondly, when we do, when we put our faith in him, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. He's going to help us. He's going to be with us. He's going to guide us, guard us, protect us. He will not let the demons of hell enter the house, become his temple through faith in Jesus Christ. 
He takes up residence. He guides you and protects you. And then the last one, make sure you tell someone what Jesus has done for you. Tell someone what Jesus has done for you. Jesus immediately turned this guy's attention to the people around him that he knew that were in the area that needed what he had. And that's how the good news of Jesus has spread for the past 2,000 years. People telling their families, their friends, their neighbors, the people that they work with, what Jesus has done for them. And I just want you to know, there's nothing more powerful than in your sphere of influence, the people that know you, there's nothing more powerful than you telling them what Jesus has done in your life. Your story, your story, that's it. Can have a major impact on someone else. And I kind of have an idea right now. For those of you who've not been baptized by immersion, consider doing so at the end of this month, June 22nd and 25th, that's Thursday and Sunday. And invite someone who doesn't have a church home or maybe uh, you know uh, needs the Lord or is far from God right now in their lives, invite them to come and to witness. And that's just going to open up a conversation for you to have with them that may end up, maybe, Lord, make it so, it may end up bringing them to faith in Jesus Christ as well. Listen, if Jesus can use a formerly demon-possessed, homeless, naked, violent guy to do his good work, Jesus can use us. Amen to that? All right, take out your communion cup, please, at all of our campuses. If you've not taken communion with one of these, um, you can see there's a piece of bread on one side. Go ahead and open up that side and take that piece of bread out. And if you didn't get one of these, uh, as the ushers kind of work their way around the room at all of our campuses, just go ahead and raise your hand up. They'll get you one. Just hold the bread. Now, the bread represents the body of Jesus. In fact, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper or communion on the night that he was betrayed, the Bible says he took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of this bread, do so in remembrance of me. So in a few moments, we're going to eat the bread and we're going to remember what Jesus did for us. The juice represents his blood that was shed for us. In fact, Jesus says, Every time you drink of this cup, do so in remembrance of me. And so his body, his blood, we're supposed to remember those things when we take communion together. And, and, uh, but before we do this together, the Bible is also very clear that we need to take a few moments and let the Holy Spirit examine our hearts. Let's make sure that uh, we're on good terms with the Lord. Uh, if there's something you need to confess, confess it today. If there's um, maybe you're outside of Christ today, I would say during these quiet moments, please do this. Put your faith in him. Just tell him that you want him to save you and to be your savior and your Lord and uh, put your faith in him. And, and, I, and I will say if you're tormented today, if you're tormented, like you got things going on and it's just been a tough battle, that during this communion time that you just tell that to the Lord. Tell that to the Lord. And as much as you can, 
with whatever faith you've got. The Bible said a mustard seed size faith is enough, which is about this big. Take what little faith you may have right now, put it in Jesus, and let's see what he does, okay? All of our campuses, let's bow your heads, close your eyes, and uh, get right with God in these quiet moments. Lord, we give you permission to search us today. We, we want to be in right, so we want to be in right relationship with you this morning. So God, whatever you're bringing to our mind to, to repent of and to move on from, Lord, we, we do that right now. Where we've said no to you, Lord, we're saying yes to you today. Where we've said yes to our flesh, we're saying no to that today. We want this body to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. When we see you do it in a demon-possessed man, we know you can do it in us. And Father, for some in here this morning that maybe for the first time in their life, they're saying, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I want to live for you. I want you to change my life because what I'm doing is not working. Lord, this is going to be their first communion as a follower of you when we celebrate with them. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the moment that we have to take this, these two elements and remember that you made a way where there was no way to be had, that you made a way for us to be in right relationship with you. All right, church, if you would just take that bread, I'm going to pray over it and we'll take it together in just a moment. Got this, this bread, this reminder that you physically came into the world, flesh and blood, because you loved us and you wanted to stand between us and the punishment of our sin, which was death. And that you allowed your body to be broken and giving us access to physical healing in this world, Lord. For those in here today that might need physical healing in their body, Lord, we're taking this as a reminder that you are still a God who heals. And you're still a God who loves us and stands between us and our punishment. And we remember that as we take this bread together. Would you take it with me, church? And then the cup. Lord, thank you for this physical reminder that uh, you shed your blood for the forgiveness of our sins, that you willingly went to the cross so that you could have a relationship with us and we could have one with you and that we could call you our Savior. And Father, our sins can be forgiven. And as we were reflecting this morning just a few moments ago, God, there were things in, in, in our lives that you brought to our mind. And Lord, we repent of those. We want to live differently. We literally turn and walk in a different direction with you today. And we're reminded as we take this cup together that you forgive our sins still today. Would you take that cup with me, guys? All right, New Hope, would you stand up with me this morning? Listen, I'm going to pray over us one more time. We're going to have some prayer partners up here. If you need to take that step, as Pastor Tim talked about, put your faith in God. Put your faith in Christ. Man, it's a great day to do that. If you, if, if you have not been baptized by immersion and you're ready for that, you are ready to go public with your faith and, and let some other people see the difference that God has made in your life, this is a great time to do that as well. And if you're just tormented, if you're just struggling through life and you want someone to go eyeball to eyeball, pray with you and invite the presence of Jesus in your world, we'd love to pray with you in that way as well. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're still a God who sets people free, that you're still a God who forgives sins, that you're still a God who celebrates when anyone comes to know you as their Savior, that celebrates when people follow you into the waters of baptism, that you're a God who is for us and not against us. And we are so, so thankful for that, Lord. 
Lord, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you're with us. We're grateful for the opportunity to take communion together as a church. And we're grateful for the chance that we have to go now and tell someone about the change you've made in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. New Hope, we've got some people up here who'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, I love you guys, and we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to follow, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.